Welcome to Short Course, episode 114, for October 27th, 2023. I'm your host, Ben Barry. I am, thankfully, after, what, three weeks, finally feeling about 95% of normal, which is good. I've got a bunch of stuff to, to start doing in terms of getting ready for the, uh, the Area 6 match, so the work is in motion on that. Um, we'll have more to announce here soon. But I thought this week it was worth going back and for everyone who isn't familiar with me, who hasn't been a longtime listener of the podcast, who didn't hear episode 13, which it's strange to think. I So I recorded episode 13 in 2018 when I had been in USPSA for five years. It has now been five years since I recorded that podcast. That's, yeah, I, I have trouble wrapping my, my brain around that, but here we are. So I actually think there is... If you want to go back and for more detail and listen to, to episode 13, I, I dive a little more deeply into, into some of these topics, but I thought it was worth just giving folks a, an overview of how I got started in the sport, my trajectory through the sport and, and my history and sort of where I come from and what I've been around for in the years that I've been a competitive shooter. And by my rule of thumb of number of bullet points of show notes to minutes of podcast. This is going to, I'm going to have to keep things moving. Uh, otherwise I'll, I'll, uh, this will end up being a 45 minute podcast and I, I do want to keep it brief, but that's not because for lack of interest in talking about anything. So shoot me an email or, you know, come talk to me at a match or something. I'm, I'm happy to elaborate more, but I just kind of want to give folks who don't know me, who didn't listen to one of the two or three podcast interviews during the campaign where I kind of went through some of my history. I just wanted to kind of give everybody a just a, a general sense of who I am and where I'm coming from. Uh, so I did not grow up with guns. I shot a gun for the first time when I was 20. Uh, it was actually with a friend from college whose family shot IDPA and went out. Uh, actually, the first time I was ever in the presence of a gun being shot, it was at an IDPA match. I They, they were just like, hey, I think you might be into this this thing. Come show up. We'll give you some eyes and ears and just come hang out and watch. And sure enough, I, I, I thought, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. I'd never, again, I didn't grow up around guns, but I also didn't really see the point in traditional target shooting. It, it seemed kind of dull. And I, I mean, I still feel that way to this day. I mean, it, it is interesting to try and go to the range and just as a challenge stack as many bullets in as tight a group as you can, but it does get kind of old after a while. But when I saw, okay, there's this aspect of, of shooting. And then also at the same time, I was not quite 21. So I was looking at, but I had not taken the step of getting my, my concealed carry permit yet. And at the time in North Carolina, uh, I've actually just uh, abolished this law this year, but at the time in North Carolina, having your concealed handgun permit, let you skip getting an individual purchase permit for every single pistol you wanted to buy. So uh, I wanted to conceal carry. I got my carry permit. I got a gun. And I started competing in IDPA and that was, I was actually doing that before I even turned 21. So I was borrowing guns to, to shoot the match. In fact, my first, my first competitive shooting match, the third time I'd, I'd shot a gun ever was in April of 2009, uh, shooting a 1911 in 45 with not quite factory ammo. They were reloads. So they're probably 170, 175 power factor, but still if 45 ACP for your first match is, is nothing to sneeze at. But after that, I, I got a, I got a gun and I started competing on my own when I 
turned 21, I got my own concealed handgun permit and, you know, got a carry gun and, and I've been carrying ever since and competing the whole way. When I was, when I graduated from college in 2011, I had time and I had money from working a full-time job. And so shooting was my main hobby. And all of a sudden where I had to shoot, I could only shoot an IDPA match. So 75, hundred rounds, maybe every month or two when I was a college student, now I could afford to shoot multiple matches a month, get slightly nicer guns, you know, go from a Glock 17 to a five inch MNP, you know, stuff like that. And, but I could, I could just invest more in it. And so I started shooting competitively more and more. The IDPA nationals happened to be in Oxford, North Carolina, about 45 minutes away from here at, at one of the clubs that I shot at regularly. And I ended up getting a slot. I got to shoot that. It was pretty cool. But at the same time, this, you know, this was, uh, at the time it was run by a guy named Frank Glover in, in Oxford there and his monthly matches were, were pretty legit. So this was just kind of a monthly match on steroids. So I, you know, to me, it, it didn't seem like nationals was that big of a deal. It was just a, a really cool Frank Glover match, but he definitely would, he would put on his own, you know, what we would call a level two, his own major match every year as well, which is also a, a hoot to shoot. So but I got to shoot that. It was, it was pretty interesting around that time. So I'd been in the sport. I'd basically gotten, if you say I got serious in the spring of 2011 shooting IDPA, it wasn't until maybe the fall of 2012 that some of the folks that I was talking to were like, yeah, you should really try this USPSA thing. And so I got a couple more mag pouches, shot production at a match or two in the fall of 2012. And then into the year, beginning of 2013, I joined USPSA started. I, I at the time I was, I had a 1911 that I would shoot again, you know, having real full-time employment money. Woohoo. So I had a 1911 that I would shoot in single stack and CDP and IDPA. So my first, my first match on record with USPSA is actually the 23 March, 2013 classifier match at Sir Walter gun club, where I shot single stack, got classified in that. And then there was another classifier match the next month in Fayetteville at a club that doesn't exist anymore where I, I classified in production. So I was, I was classified in those two divisions. I did, I only ever shot single stack in the winters. And actually once I got into USPSA, I, I only did it the, really the winter between 2013 and 2014 again. And in 2013, I'd been shooting the, the club matches at Sir Walter gun club. And I heard through the grapevine or someone told me, Hey, you should come work the, the North Carolina state match. It's going to be here at Sir Walter in October instead of our, our monthly match. And you're welcome to work it. At the time I wasn't certified. I hadn't run a timer at a club match or anything, but they said, Hey, come work it. And I thought, sure. Yeah. Why, why not? Would, this is an opportunity to help out and be useful and learn some stuff. And so I did, I, I signed up, I worked it. And even then in 2013, that very first major match that I was ever a part of, that was a, what we would now call a staff reset match where the competitors didn't, didn't touch the targets. We were the ones running the whole stage. And so there were there were four of us on this, I think it was like a 24 or 28 round L-shaped kind of course where you started seated and shot some stuff through the port and then kind of went down the, the alley shooting stuff on either side. And it was, I thought it was great. It was, it was an opportunity to see a lot of folks shooting. I got to shoot on staff day. I, it, it, but it also got me interested in becoming an RO. So the next summer there was an opportunity to take an RO class here in North Carolina. So I took it, I got RO certified. And at the same time or around that same time, I, I became aware that they were looking for staff for nationals at the, what they were calling handgun nationals in St. George, Utah that year, which 
was limited open production and L10 because at the time there were only six divisions, those four, and then revolver and single stack shot in the spring. So I thought it was pretty cool. You kind of got to to choose, you know, do you shoot a stock gun, semi-custom or fully custom gun? Everybody shot heads up. It was really well attended. It was a three-day competitor or three-day staff match, four-day main match. Um, honestly, pretty much, again, just like the working that first level two as a staff reset match, as a staff member kind of spoiled me and made me think that's what everything should be. That first 2014 SUPS Nationals, that seemed like what Nationals just kind of should be, what it should be like. Now, I will say I was I was pretty surprised when I went to Nationals and it wasn't staff reset because that's, I mean, that's what I had known. But there we were, there were there were three of us on, on our bay and we basically, we had one guy running the timer, one guy running the tablet and the third guy doing the copy from the tablet down to paper backups. This was this was very early days of, of practice score, but it worked well. The, the guy doing the paper backup stuff. I mean, it wasn't a ton of work until that little that little it was sort of the rest, uh, the rest position. But except for that, that little burst where you're trying to copy everything down furiously as the tablet guy was reading it out. But but it worked. It was a good match. I, I still think if you talk to anybody that was in the sport around that time, I think it, it's fondly remembered as one of the better nationals of that era. Uh, I, I certainly have fond memories of it, but then again, I didn't shoot another nationals until it was back at St. George in 2017. But anyway, I was thrilled to get that chance to work the match and then came back and worked at the North Carolina section match. Now that I was a certified RO, I'd had practice running a timer at nationals um, which honestly was kind of a shock to me. They were just like, okay, I'll take the first squad. You take the second squad. Ben, you take the third squad. And I was just like, oh man, like what if I mess up someone's nationals? And they were like, don't worry about it. We're here. We're watching. Don't everybody, everybody's got to learn sometime. And I thought, okay, great. And so one out of three squads, the whole four days of the competitor main match, I I, I ran the timer and nothing really to to, to say about it. It, it. it went fine. And, you know, once you've done that, then coming home and working your state match, not a big deal. So the month after that, I think it, the Nationals was in August. The state match was in September or something like that that year. And I, again, worked the stage as as an RO now, running the timer, doing the whole deal, trying to take what I'd learned at Nationals, bring it back and apply it to the to running the stage that I was that I was put in charge of there. The fall of 2014, I also ended up help with a buddy taking over match directing the action pistol match. So a sort of outlaw match at an indoor range here in, in town. And it was a, a four stage match where I actually had four indoor bays. It's this huge facility. It was built with taxpayer money for like cops to be able to train during the week. Compa- then uh, citizens can come in and, and shoot on the, the ranges. Didn't have any, doesn't have any automated target carriers or anything. You have to call the whole line cold to go change your target. So it kind of sucks when you're just there shooting as a member of the public, but twice a month we would put on a, a four stage match and we could actually set up four individual stages, run four squads of 14 and and we would sell out pretty regularly for, and we, even when we went to a second match, it would, it would, uh, we would sell that out. Now we inherited a lot of those guys. We didn't recruit all of them. So we had a strong following. It's just the guys, the two guys that were running it at the time wanted to step back and take a break. And so a buddy and I took it over. He handled sort of the, the logistics and he was the employee. So he had the badge to get in the building and I was doing the stats and the stage design pretty identically to, to my role at the outlaw match that I'm a part of now, which we've been doing for a little over two years. But that that lasted for uh, a little over a year and a half. But that that kicked off around the fall of, of 2014. 
And then in November of 2014, I ended up taking a class at Rowan County Wildlife Club. So at the time, a club that wasn't widely known, but now they've hosted a couple Area 6 matches, a couple North Carolina section matches. So it's a, I think it's a much better known club, but it, someone was hosting a, a Steve Anderson class. And actually at the time, so I, this is also tied up with this. I was, for a couple of years, I'd been doing a weekly podcast with another shooter, Luke Apps, named Triangle Tactical. That was, that was his, originally he'd started out as a blog and then a podcast to talk about shooting and gear stuff. And then I kept saying, oh, you know, you should have someone on and talk about this and talk about that. And so he ended up having me on. We talked about it. And then I just kind of became a, a co-host. And for two and a half, three years, we did an episode every week, except for, you know, a couple of times around the end of the year. So, you know, we knocked out a good 150 episodes in those three years, which is part of where this idea of a weekly podcast that short course became got into got into my head. But anyway, at the time we had heard, I want to say it was through the podcast, a, a listener had had said, hey, we're hosting Steve Anderson for a class. If you're interested, you can come. And it was in November. So, you know, I just shot Nash, shot and worked nationals. I just shot and worked the state match. I, I honestly was feeling kind of burned out. I was I was looking forward to just kind of taking it easy because at the time I I felt like I was shooting a lot of matches but not really getting much better. And, and if you'd asked me at the time, I would have said, well, yeah, the way you get better at shooting matches is to shoot more matches, which is kind of like saying the the way you get better at playing a sport is to actually play the sport, right? You, you, the idea of doing drills and breaking down the fundamental movements of the sport didn't really occur to me. And I never did sports growing up, so I didn't know what back basketball practice would look like or football practice that, that a football practice looks very little like a, a football game. You're doing fundamental skills. But anyway, so I, I take this Steve Anderson class and obviously something he hammers in the class and in everything else that he talks about is, is the value of dry fire. And he was just completely adamant that you could get to GM doing nothing but these really small micro drills in your garage or basement with no live ammo just a timer and practicing five times a week. And like I said, at, at the time, that was kind of revolutionary to me. I, I would have told you that if you want to get better, keep shooting a lot of matches. And so that class was definitely a turning point for me because all of a sudden, instead of thinking about the winter as an off season, all of a sudden I was energized to actually start dry firing and, you know, follow his book and then get, get other dry fire books, Ben Steger's book and start a dry fire routine, start practicing, start tracking goal times, do do that whole thing. That also is what, when it really clicked for me that, yeah, okay, I need a place to go live fire practice. So that's when I joined Sir Walter Gun Club, which I'd been shooting their club match and I'd worked a couple of state matches there. But the idea of, of joining it, just it, for whatever reason, it, it had never really clicked. I thought, yeah, I'll just shoot as many matches as I can. But what am I going to do if I just show up and there's there's nothing set up? Well, this idea that you can set up these drills that, practice the skills but you don't actually need all the walls and the fault lines those are there for for competitive equity between the shooters so you can score the competition but if you're just practicing all you need is a couple target stands and cones or you know whatever you're using in your mind to mark the positions and all that so that that was sort of the the turning point for me where i went from someone who i think you know i was i was shooting a lot of matches but not feeling a lot of progress and that sort of lit the fire to really become competitive and when I initially classified in 2013, I was C-class. I admitted to B-class by 2014. And then going into the winter of 2014, dry firing a bunch in 
2015, I made a class 2016, I made M and then in 2017, I made GM. And so it was, I just, I just kept cranking away at it and eventually made it, made it into GM. Now at the time, the production hit factors were definitely a little bit easier. I have not kept up with practice at that level. So I, I definitely shoot at the low end of GM. I'm not nationally competitive or anything like that, but I, that, that is, you know, the way the classification system works. Once you're on the title, you have it for life. So for better or worse, I am a, a production GM, but you know, the, the odds of me say going in and making carry optics or limited optics GM anytime soon are, I would say modest. I'd love to do it. We'll see if I actually, you know, am able to put together the, the practice schedule to make it happen with, with, uh, with work and kids and area director duties, but it's definitely something I would like to do, but I definitely acknowledge that at the time it was relatively easier to make GM, especially in production. But anyway, to, to wind the clock back. So that was November, 2014, Steve Anderson class, dry fire all winter, focus more on getting into joining a gun club so I can go and live fire buy a, you know, a better reloading press so I can load ammo more efficiently. So I have more ammo to practice and all that in 2015, I had the chance to go down to Charleston for a CRO class. It was, you know, four hour drive, but it wasn't too bad. And it was the only one that I'd seen in the area for a while. And I, I wanted to sort of keep getting, you know, taking classes and getting certifications where I could, where, you know, it would help hopefully help make me more useful to matches and, and make me a better RO and CRO and all that. So did that work the North Carolina section as a CRO Worked the Georgia state as a CRO in that summer was also when I met Stephanie, who's now my wife. We actually met at an IDPA match and she was getting into competitive shooting. And I, you know, we, we had shot together and then said, well, you should, you know, Sir Walter's having their match this weekend or the next weekend, whatever it was. And I said, you know, you should come out and shoot. Uh, at the time I had a couple of 140 millimeter mags for my M and P because the way the national schedules worked, I wasn't going to shoot production nationals, but I was thinking about going to try and work limited nationals. So I'd gotten classified in limited and I had the one forties for my M and P, which at the time was my competition gun. I had the one forties for, for M and P and I told her, Hey, just I'll, I'll loan you these show up, shoot limited minor. And, and you know, it'll be your first USPSA match. We'll have a good time. And she did that. And then, you know, from there we were talking and a little over a year later, in the, in the fall of 2016, we did, we got married. 2016 was also the year that the NC section match moved. So 2015, it had been extremely rainy and that had caused quite a bit of heartburn with the, uh, for, for the section match it had been extremely rainy. The club board at, at Sir Walter wasn't super happy about that. And it made a lot of sense to just move the match to another club. And so it ended up going to, to Rowan for 2016 and 2017, which were the two years where I shot it as, as just a competitor. If someone had asked, or I'd seen a solicitation first half, I'm sure I probably would have signed up, but no one never did. And they always seemed like they had enough staff. So I, I didn't go out of my way to, to sign up, to work it at the time. I was at that time. I was, my goal was to make GM in 2016. And then when that didn't happen, I, you know, it ended up making it happen in 2017. But so in those, those two years, I was really driving hard at really trying to be a competitor, really dry firing quite a lot, which did end up, you know, I had a lot of constraints on my time. And, and at that point it had got pretty unsustainable. The The schedule that, that we were running at the time on the triangle tactical podcast was that, that basically we would record, we would, it would be about a four or five hour block where we would prep all the show notes and record that hour long podcast 
uh, on usually on a Sunday. And so basically Saturday was match day. Sunday was podcast day and being in a relationship about to get married that that was not really sustainable. So I stepped back from the, the podcast, but it was also easier to find 20, 30 minutes in the evenings, five times a week, that kind of thing to dry fire versus five or six hours contiguous on the weekend to, to record a podcast for which I was making no money. But, you know, now I spend two to three hours every week on a Thursday night prepping and recording and editing one of these episodes for which I also make no money, but I, I get a kick out of it and you guys seem to enjoy listening to it. So it seems to be working out so far, but I, I ended up taking a step back from the, from triangle tactical at the, in, in 2016. And then after that year off in the beginning of 2018 is when I started short course. So 20, like I said, 2016, 2017, I was, I was mostly just being a shooter. I, I at the time I wasn't again, seeing the solicitations to work nationals the same way. And so I wasn't really going out of my way to work nationals. But in 2017, when I saw the chance to go shoot the nationals back at St. George, I'd been telling Steph about, you know, what a cool range it was and, and what a great facility it was and, and how, how much I'd enjoyed working that match. So when they hosted the 2017 match, I signed up to go shoot it. She came along and that was, you know, at the time I was really just focusing on, on being a competitor. Like I said, early 2018, I, I launched the podcast. I want to say it was middle of February, kicked it off with the first five episodes and then did a, an episode basically every week until Thanksgiving or so that year. And then the, you know, at the time it was, it was just because I was so used to always being on the lookout for podcast topics. And so when I stopped doing triangle tactical, I still didn't have this, my habit of always thinking about, oh, that would be an interesting discussion or that would be an interesting topic or that, you know, I could write a blog post or a podcast about that. That never really stopped. And so I was just accumulating these, these ideas and podcast topics. And so I thought, okay, let me just do a solo podcast. And that's, that's where short course came from. So instead of being one of two people on an hour long podcast, I'm one of one person on a 25 minute, that's my goal, 25 minute episode. And 2018, I also had had some people asking and I finally had a range where I could teach classes. And so I ended up teaching, I think seven classes total. The biggest mistake I made was trying to do too much. So I actually, for whatever crazy reason, I scheduled the first one one month and I was actually teaching two classes a month. So two weekends, two of the four weekends, one of the days I was on the range from, you know, seven in the morning until six at night or whatever, setting everything up, teaching for eight hours, tearing everything down and then driving 45 minutes home. And that got real old real quick. And it, if nothing else, I just, I didn't have time to shoot. I didn't have time to practice. And so I was noticing that my own performance was really suffering. So I, like I said, the, the real mistake was going way too hard, way too fast. If I had taken it more leisurely and had a better setup where the range wasn't quite as far of a drive, making those, those class days as onerous, it, it might've been sustainable, but that, that was sort of a flash in the pan. What I, you know, I'd love to, to do more of that and be able to, to teach more, but yeah, just again, with, with all the responsibilities these days, that that's not happening, but it was, it was a very interesting learning experience doing that. And again, that was going on while I was doing the podcast. Uh, 2018 was also a pivotal year for Steph. So that year we had a new section coordinator who was not Stephanie and he'd planned this big national, or this big, he called it, he was calling it mini nationals for the NC section. And he had to cancel the match Tuesday night, I believe it was. And it was staff was supposed to start shooting on Friday. So they were supposed to be setting up the stages that week at the, at the club. And he had to cancel the match because there was a, 
a serious hurricane that was coming up the that was supposed to come right up the middle of North Carolina. So it was going to be going right over the range right when we were going to be shooting. And so he canceled the match and everybody was like, cool, no big deal. Where are our refunds? And he said, oh, the money's all spent. There are no refunds, but we'll give you a discount off next year's match. And that was, as you can understand, pretty unpopular. He ended up basically getting run out of office. And then there was this this look around to say, okay, who who's who's going to be the new section coordinator? And I remember at the time talking to Stephanie and you know we had this discussion and saying, okay, what is what does the job actually entail? And originally I was thinking about putting my name in for it. And then she said, why don't you keep focus on shooting, dry firing, you know, being competitor guy. This sounds like something I'd be good at. And so far seems like she's doing a pretty good job. She's been doing it for five years. The clubs in the section seem fairly happy. So she, she put her name in that, in the hat. There was a, you know, one of a guy who was possibly interested, the, all the match directors got together and voted and, and she was, she was the new section coordinator. So that, that was how she got started in that role. And I've been in the background sort of providing advice and assistance and, and ideas and feedback on, on various things. But, you know, she's that, that's been her, that's been her thing. And it definitely in some ways showed that you can come in and learn the ropes and do a good job at the thing without having necessarily, there are no special qualifications that make you magically preordained to be great at doing something like that. And honestly, that, that was part of when, last year in in late 2020 when the board started banning people for mean speech on the internet and i thought okay somebody's got to put their name in and run i thought i can do this and so this you know seeing sort of working things up the ladder that way and having been in the sport as long as i have and and seen a lot of people come and go clubs come and go presidents come and go it, it gave me some some perspective and so that that definitely was a, a factor in my decision to run and also just having seen the inside of the way the NC section match has been run because obviously Stephanie has been running it since well 2019 was the first sort of full year where we had we had it back at Sir Walter for a year which is nice because it, it was very close to home for us and then it's been at Rowan for 2020 through 2023 so for four years but every year it's we've learned lessons it's gotten better everybody's gotten, I think, more excited. The word's gotten out. Attendance has been better and better. Obviously, 2020, 2021, COVID, high ammo prices have been a real kick in the pants for match attendance, but but this year it finally filled back up until recent events, and we'll see where ammo prices and primer prices go, go in the next few months, but hopefully things are at least stabilizing. I don't know that we'll ever get back down to three cents a primer, but at least people are getting used to buying imported crap for six cents a primer. So that's something at least you it's available if you want it. So you can shoot to some degree where for a while there it was just unobtainium. You couldn't get primers anywhere more than a thousand at a time. But anyway, that's a different discussion. So the last few years, yeah. So, I mean, since Steph took over in, in 2018, so 2018 was also the year that the infamous ban the bins incident, which I recapped on episode 97 happened where basically I ended up having a, a, you know, getting a threatened with a lifetime ban by the, by Mike Foley, who was at the time the, the president of USPSA over again, a joke on the internet, which I thought was kind of an overreaction. And that's really when it seemed like things were going in the wrong direction. And so I, that's when I looked more to, to having an influence locally. It didn't really seem like things were 
there was that much that could be done at the national level. Nationals, the, the, the way that nationals was being run wasn't, I didn't think was particularly amazing. I mean, I thought the nine days of nationals, which was the format they tried in 2018, where they had three back-to-back three-day nationals with different groups of divisions. I, I shot the one that was production. You could shoot all three matches and literally shoot for nine days straight. There was no staff match. The idea was you could work the you could work two of the matches and shoot the third one or like work one, shoot one. I don't know exactly what the, the comp package was, but there there was no staff match. But the idea was you would shoot one, work another, which I, I think is actually not a terrible idea. I think you could make that aspect of it work. But as a shooter, those it was, you know, it was a competitor reset match. You shot, I think it was six or seven stages a day. It was basically like shooting a club match each day. There was it was very there was nothing really exceptional about it. And so I thought, well, I could, you know, shoot a sectional match where I'm going to shoot maybe 10 really cool stages in a day, or I can go shoot nationals where I'm there for, for three days, you know, travel down either side. But anyway, I, I, I was seeing nationals wasn't really all that appealing to me. It didn't seem like there was, there was that much really cool stuff going on. I would go and shoot nationals a, a few times over the years, but it really seemed like getting more involved and, and having more, trying to have more impact at the local level. Uh, 2018 was when I started helping to design stages for Sir Walter Gun Club, which has sort of grown over time. And now I'm one of the the three stage designers who, who you know, every month we divvy up the stages and and each of us, you know, designs roughly a third of the match, which is cool because you get kind of three different people's flavors every month. But that, that was when I started doing that. And then in 2021, that was when the... I was approached about the opportunity to, to start hosting this match at triangle shooting Academy. And so we sort of revived this outlaw action pistol format at that match, which we've now been doing for two years, as I've talked about on the podcast. So that's kind of what I've been up to since 2018, since that, that era where I kind of got disillusioned with trying to have influence at the national level. And I thought, okay, let me, what can I do locally? How can I make my club match the best? How can we make the section match the best? And I was, encouraged when area six came to Rowan and was being hosted as a, as a staff reset match. And so now when, like I said, when, when everything kicked off in, in 2022 with the board banning Ben Steger and Derek Lewis and, and the other guys for literally just criticizing them on the internet and saying uncomfortable and mean things about them. That was when I thought, okay, the time has come. I know area six is coming up for election Soon, I know it's a long cycle where you have to file your paperwork well in advance and you have to run your campaign. And, and that was a lesson that I learned in 2020 when I think, and a lot of folks figured someone was going to run against Mike Foley because, you know, I don't think at the time he was exceedingly popular. The whole Ban the Benz incident wasn't super great. He'd been feuding with Ipsic about hosting matches in the Philippines also in, in 2018. And so I didn't get the sense that he was super popular, but nobody put their name in to run except at the last minute, one guy from Virginia did put his name in, and I, I actually signed his petition. He was at he was at Sir Walter getting gathering petitions, but you know he just it was too little, too late. He didn't have the name recognition. He didn't go on the podcasts, and so even though I didn't see Foley as being particularly popular, he won re-election just because nobody else ran a campaign really, and so that's when I kind of started to look into okay, where does what, what are the filing deadlines? What's the process? Okay. Yeah. You, you have to have your paperwork in by at the latest May 1st. 
but if you want to be in the magazine, you have to have filed and have your, your magazine ad submitted. I'd have to go back and look at all the dates. I don't know them off the top of my head, but it's, you know, March to, to get in the magazine. So, you know, technically you could wait until the last minute to file, but then you give up having your, you know, having, having coverage in the magazine, potentially at, at the time, I think they were doing the, the candidate interviews and the Q and A's in the magazine, but now it's on the website. So you have a little more flexibility on the deadlines there. So all of that to say that the whole 2020, the, the, the reelection of Foley in 2020, and honestly, the fact that Bruce Wells ran unopposed as area six in 2020, it was the same thing. I figured we would at least have someone, we would at least have a campaign. Someone else would file. And so we no one did. And the ballot came up and there, you didn't, I don't remember if you could, if he was the only option or you just didn't vote and he won by default. I, you know, I don't remember which one, but effectively in my opinion, neither Foley nor, nor Bruce Wells were particularly popular, at least among the, the people that I was talking to, but both of them won another term, one literally unopposed and one effectively unopposed. And so I thought, okay, this has got to change. And so in late 2020, I knew that the election cycle for area six was going to be coming up again soon. And so, so that's when I put my name in, but again, it was based on all of these things over the years, as I you know, got into the sport, started working these staff reset North Carolina section matches, got really fired up about getting certified, working matches, and then kind of getting fired up about being a competitor and then trying to find a good balance between the two over the years. And, you know, now here I am after being a member for 10 years, like I said, having seen various clubs and presidents and area directors come and go, having sort of seen that happen, you know, by no means am I the most experienced. I have not traveled hugely. I haven't shot an enormous number of matches. I haven't worked in an enormous number of matches, but I've always tried to sort of pay attention, stay plugged in, understand what's going on, what the political dynamics are, what, in my opinion, has made the sport better, what, in my opinion, has made the sport worse. But, you know, obviously, as as area director, my job is as much to go based on what's already in my head as evaluating the arguments that are presented to me by you, the members. So, you know, none of this is to say, the, the, you know, my views are fixed. I have, I have come down from the mountaintop with the tablets. No, but, but this is, this is the context. This is sort of how I got into the sport, what I, what I was looking for in it. And honestly, you know, why, why I've stayed and, and why I think it's worth staying and fighting for. I know a lot of people are talking about, you know, jumping ship, shooting other competitions, no hard feelings if you think that's the route. But when I saw I had the opportunity to, to try and be a part of making USPSA better, I thought I've got to at least try. And so here I am. Well, that wraps up this episode of Short Course. If you want to get in touch with me, my email is bennettberryshooting.com. Talk to you next time.